Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Always a joy to go to other churches and have the opportunity to preach and meet new people and and just uh, get out a little bit and look around. We're uh, <clears throat> our message this morning and through the week. Uh, we're going to be preaching really on the sort of setting our stage this morning as we preach on Jesus uh, uh, declaring Himself. One of the self-identification statements of Jesus in the Bible is in John fourteen. And uh, as you as you know, those obvious st- students of the Bible, John's Gospel, Jesus. Uh, Make seven self-identifying statements with the with the word "I am," and uh, we're looking at number six this morning, John chapter fourteen. And then I'm going to read a couple of verses out of Mark's gospel, and then I think I'll read uh, maybe the first psalm. We'll try to wrap all that and tie it together this morning as we preach on Jesus being the way. What does that mean? The statement that Jesus made uh, to his disciples on that evening, the last evening that he was with his disciples, he fully reveals to them that he's about to be uh, about to die, about to go away, and they're not going to be able to come to him or see him anymore for a while. And he uh, also reveals to them that one of them will betray him, and one of them will deny him. Uh, the, the the chief of all the apostles, Peter. They're, they are they are shook, are shaken by these statements, and just so deeply troubled. So that establishes the context. You know the you know the truth of Scripture. If you a text without a context is a pretext, and so we need the context of these words that Jesus states this morning. Uh, John 14, let not your hearts be troubled, he said to those men that were there that evening in that upper room. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. And one of my favorite guys, Thomas, said to him, Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. What an amazing statement by this one Lord Jesus. Uh, such a proclamation and a self-identification uh, in those words that he spoke. Mark starts his gospel story of telling about Jesus, and in two little simple verses, we find John uh, was put in prison, and Jesus came in Galilee preaching the gospel. And this is what he said, The time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then Mark 1.17. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. 
And then, as I promised, the introductory psalm, chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever... He or she does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. Well, my first time to be down here in Palmetto. And uh, I told Jimmy I couldn't believe he's, this is still Fulton County. My wife and I are both from Fulton County up in Roswell, the north end of the county. And uh, she grew up on a farm. Her mother and daddy were farmers all their lives, truck farmers. And so uh, I, I remind her always she has dirt under her fingernails and toes. I grew up in the city of Roswell. My daddy had a five and dime store, they call it, back in those days. So I'm a city boy that married a country girl. That's who I am this morning. Wife and I are blessed with a son and a daughter. And the prettiest two, smartest, prettiest two granddaughters in the world. And one lives in Hickory Flat, Georgia. The other one in Lovettsville, Virginia. As far north as you can go, 661.4 miles up to Virginia. <laughs> and... Uh, But we love our family and just thankful for the blessings of the Lord. The challenge of preaching, the challenge of the Bible is communication. God speaks to us and He speaks to us most explicitly through His Word. And we have it this morning. Aren't you glad to know that we have God's Word that we can treasure and hear and listen to and as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway? And it, uh, communication is challenging. Sometimes as human beings, especially as human beings, we, we mishear what people, or we misspeak, as the phrase is nowadays. I remember the story of two men, that uh, elderly men, that met each other on the sidewalk in a city one day. They hadn't seen each other in years. And they were just shaking hands and patting each other on the back and just, you know, boy, what a... What a great, uh, how great it is to see you once again. I, one of them said, I, I heard something about you after all these years. He said, is that so? He said, yeah. I said, I heard you made $10 million in Texas in the oil business. He said, well, that's, that's pretty, pretty near right. He said, uh, wasn't $10 million, though, it's just $1 million. Wasn't uh, in Texas, it was in Idaho. <clears throat> And it wasn't oil, it was potatoes. <clears throat> and it wasn't me as my brother. <laughs> we, uh, we don't get it right a lot of times, do we? <clears throat> well, I want to tell you something about Jesus and the biblical writers. They're the greatest of all the communicators. And they know how to use nouns and verbs. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful that God uses nouns and verbs and pronouns and adjectives and all that stuff to communicate to us. He's a God that loves us and wants to speak to us and, 
and wants to reveal himself to you and I so that we can know the way. When Jesus came preaching and teaching, he was the greatest of all uh, preachers and teachers. As a matter of fact, it's recorded that by those that came and heard him, they went back and said, no man ever spake like this man. How profound and wonderful and right to the point that Jesus always was. And he knew how to use words just like the biblical writers. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he opens up a wide door of our understanding of himself. One man said he took three major Hebrew words and and used them as a way of self-expression and a way of helping us to understand that Jesus, he himself, is the fulfillment of all of God's teachings and all of God's words that He has to say to you and I on planet earth. You want to know God, you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you'll know God. He's the way. And without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. And Jesus came to provide us exactly what we need. As we go through revival this evening, that's primarily the way I'll be preaching this week, I hope. I'll be going into the Old Testament and taking some of those characters to bring out in their lives the very essence of the way of Jesus, the very essence of the truth and the life of Jesus that's lived out in the flesh in the lives of these people that that were rightly related to God through the Lord Jesus. And we're going to look at David one night as he reveals the way of Jesus is in our humanity as a way of imperfection, and God knows that, and we need to understand that. Hopefully tonight we'll look at Abraham, and the way of Abraham is the way of faith. And uh, it's amazing, Abraham's called the father of faith, but the word Abraham believed God is only mentioned one time in all of his journey. One time in the Old Testament, and multiple times in the New Testament, because Paul raises him up as an example of true faith in his walk with the Lord. So we'll look at Abraham maybe, and then some of the other biblical characters uh, as we go along through the week. I hope that'll challenge our heart. I love Vance Havner. He's dead now. He was an old Southern Baptist preacher of many years ago, and a little bitty man, about 5'5 five, five or 5'4, five, weighed about 97 pounds, soaking wet. But what a preacher Vance Havner was. I heard him several times, got a lot of his books. You know what he said? And he was, he was an evangelist. That's what God gifted him to do. And he went everywhere preaching. And he said, you know, the problem with us so many times when we come into a church service, we go in and out. And he said, uh, the effect and the power of the Word of God upon our lives ought to be so effectual. It ought to impact us every time that we open the Bible or listen to the Word of God. And he said, you know, we ought to come in and go out. We ought to go out either sad, mad, or glad, he said. But so many times we come in and just go out and we're not affected. We don't allow God to impact our lives and how much He wants to speak to us today and every day, as a matter of fact, as we journey. So Jesus came to speak to us and to help us to understand. And, and in, in doing so, he, he, uh, as, as Mark, uh, in telling the gospel story, he uses three phrases, three imperatives of the Lord Jesus. And the first thing I notice about Jesus when he, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He's revealing that the way, the understanding of our way to God, but you see, the way that God comes down from heaven and the way that we go up to heaven is only through the Lord Jesus. And it's an extremely personal relationship to God that all of this entails. 
So many times people think Christianity is just another religion. It's just sort of, you know, we go through certain motions. We, we read uh, the Bible. We pray a little bit. We, you know, come and go. And, you know, it's just sort of things that we do. And, and that's just sort of our practice and the way that we do it. Well, it's so much more than that, isn't it? The way to God and what Jesus was talking about. And, he, and He's going to use this word as a metaphor. He's going to take a noun and He's going to make a metaphor out of it. He's going to use it rather as a metaphor because a metaphor can take a regular word and explode that word. And when Jesus talks about being the way, He's not just talking about the direction. He's talking about the way that we live and the way that we experience God and the way that we live along the way of life when Jesus comes into our hearts and lives. And when he said uh, in Mark's gospel, when he introduced the gospel there in just those two short verses, Jesus, when he went to people, you remember what he said to them and what he says to you and I this morning? He said, come follow me, he said. You see, it's, 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 it's coming to know and to realize and truly experience the person of the Lord Jesus, the reality of God in our hearts and lives. Mark said Jesus came preaching, the time is fulfilled for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, he said. And the challenge was just that. First of all, we need to repent. And that means to change direction. Every human being needs to understand that. The way of Jesus is the way in which we ourselves individually and personally come to recognize that we're not going in the right direction. That God is calling us to come and go in His direction. And that's the very essence of what repentance means, isn't it? To go in another direction. I experienced that and come to realize that when I was a boy, 11 years of age, raised in the church. Raised, first of all, in the Methodist church. My, my daddy's uh, mother and daddy and parents, grandparents, all the way down the line, we were raised as Methodists. I grew up in the First Methodist Church of Roswell, and I, you know, I still, even at this age, I recall my Sunday school lessons. I recall the songs that we sang that, that, that endeared me and helped me to understand the way of Jesus and who He was and what He was calling me to do and to become. I understood the gospel as the kingdom of God, as the reality of God in my life on an everyday basis, not just when I come to church. I realized that God wanted me and He wanted my life. And I realized that I wanted to go in His direction. That's repentance. Isn't that what Jesus is talking about? Repent and believe. John chapter 14, verse number 1, when He spoke to those disciples, you know what He said? You believe in God? Believe also in Me. It's the word trust. We trust someone And we trust someone who has the keys to the kingdom of God. The someone that declared He had power in heaven and on earth to forgive our sins. And He's the only one that can do that. And He's the one that gives life and life everlasting and life abundantly. He Himself is the one we experience when we come to know God as our Savior. Isn't that what we need? When Jesus talked about a way, uh, you know, we talk about a way, we talk about a way as a road or a trail or a path. But when Jesus used that as a metaphor, He expanded that. He's talking about the ways and the means of God. How would God have us to live? 
What does God want us to do? What kind of people does God want you to be down here in First Baptist, Palmetto? What kind of person does God want us to be out on the job or on the playground? Or all those students that were here this morning and especially growing up as a teenager? What kind of people, what kind of way does God want us to live? And how can we live? As Thomas said, how can we know the way? And Jesus came to say, Thomas, it's knowing me and allowing me to be a reality personally in your life on an everyday basis as you live and experience life itself. You see, life is a whole lot more than just what we see with our natural eye or experience with our five senses, is it not? Now, I told them a story this morning and evidently they didn't get my story. Two tadpoles, this is true. Two tadpoles were growing up in a mud puddle. And they'd been there all the days of their lives. And one day one little tadpole swam up to the top, stuck his head out and looked around and hurriedly went back down to see his partner. And he said, you know what? He said, what? He said, there's a whole other world out there that we don't know anything about. (laughs) Thank you very much. They They didn't get that this morning. But isn't it, isn't it reality? There's a whole other world out here than what we experience through our five senses. I get up every morning, I hate to shave. I don't mind brushing my teeth, I need to do that. <laughs> but you know, I go, so much of my life is spent shaving, brushing my teeth, changing clothes. My wife, sometimes when we get ready to go to church, she'll change five times. And she'll come in and say, does this look all right? I said, it looks wonderful. Every one of them look wonderful. You know, we spend so much time. I'm re- I said, let's go where, you know, it's time. But so much of our life seems to be so mundane. You know, just living and working and going in and out and waiting in the lines at Walmart and Publix and Kroger that they were talking about. But life's a whole lot more than that, isn't it? So much more. As a matter of fact, when Jesus talks about the way, you know, He's reminding us that, you know, there's so much more, most of our life, if not the essence of our living, has to do with the invisible and the untouchable and the unaudible. We, we live in a, a spiritual realm of life that is, that, that's where, where our existence is and that's where God entails all of this, both the five senses in which we experience and that which we don't experience with the five senses. He is the way and He comes to help us to really appreciate and understand and find how to live our lives here on planet earth. And it's always very, very personal, very intimate in our way with God. The Psalms, as we look in the Bible, if you don't look up the word way, you'll find it 97 times in the Psalms. Psalms chapter 1 is known as the entrance psalm. Sort of like a preaching, or, or like preaching, us preachers are taught that we're supposed to build an introduction and then we sort of usher the people into the sermon, you know. Sometimes we never get folks off the porch, you know. We... <laughs> We just uh, get, get wrapped up in the introduction. But Psalms chapter 1 is known as the introductory psalm to the entire Psalter. There's 150 psalms. And the psalms opens with a declaration of the two ways, it's called. The way of the godly and the way of the ungodly. And he proclaims right at the very start, he's talking about life. 
He's talking about the essence of living. He's talking about the way of God. He's talking about the Lord Jesus and, and what He means and what He does. You see, when God involves Himself, He comes to get in every area of our lives, does He not? Responsive reading this morning is one of my favorites. It's the song, it's the, it's the, the, the book, the chapter in Romans that turned my life around one day as a, already as a Christian, but I'd never really ever, I had never presented my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Oh, I was a Christian. I was a church member. I attended church. I came in and out of the doors for some 11 or 12 years after I was saved as an 11-year-old boy, but I never really came to the place to where I said, Lord, I'd, would you take over my life? And that's exactly what He wants to do. You remember when Jesus, uh, uh, Matthew gives us the Sermon on the Mount. And boy, what a sermon. <laughs> I don't know how many times Jesus preached that sermon or parts of it as He went about trying to help people understand the way. But Jesus, if you'll notice in Matthew chapter 4, 5, and 6, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and into 7. And then when He comes to number 8, Matthew sort of changed his courses because it says, Jesus came down off the mountain, and behold, a leper met him there. A leper. And he said, Lord, if you would, if you would, I, would, would you make me whole? And Jesus said, oh yes, <laughs> that's what I came to do. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. I'm the way I came to touch people's lives, whatever the condition might be. One preacher said Jesus went from teaching to touching when He came down off the mountain. That's exactly what He's always done. He came to touch us. He came to touch us. And He came to make the way so that we could touch God. And we could do it in a, such a personal, intimate lifestyle of everyday living. That's the way of the Lord Jesus. I said it was very personal and I want to emphasize that. You see, God never becomes powerful until He becomes personal. I shared with them this morning, I've shared with it a lot, it's sort of embarrassing, but it's a good illustration. I met my wife-to-be when I was 16. We were in church. We had changed by that time from Methodist to Baptist. And that was good. Because I met my wife in the Baptist church. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's a sweet little girl. And I loved her to start with, but uh, I was so bashful. Asked her for one date. We went to Lake Spivey. I asked her for another date. and We went and climbed Stone Mountain. And then I'd call her off and on, and she said, You never would talk when you call me. I said, Well, I just enjoyed hearing you breathing on the other end of the phone. That's the way it is when you love somebody. You know that? And you know what our relationship to God is? It's a love relationship. It's all about love and faith and hope. So we dated and then we sort of started going pretty steady. Back in those days, that's what we called it, you know, going steady. Well, for one year, I dated her and I'd take her home. And of course, her mother was... Inside, if I stood on the porch too long, she sort of flipped the lights on, you know, how, on and off, my signal. I didn't kiss her. 
for a year. Almost impossible. <laughs> I looked up the definition of the word kiss. It's osculation. I studied and thought about it and intellectually assented to what that really meant. But let me tell you something. There's nothing to compare about a definition and an experience. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I, I haven't been the same since. <laughs> let me tell you something. You can know about Jesus. You can know about the Bible. You can know about God. You can know about a way or a truth or a life. It's more than that. You've got to know Him as a personal Savior and Lord of your life. It's when we come to Him and acknowledge Him and trust Him and say, Lord Jesus, I ask You, I ask You as best I know how to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sins, to redirect my life and show me the way and help me to go in the way that You would have me to go. That's the essence of Christianity. Several years ago, I think it was, that Joe Lieberman, with some, some of these folks said, you know how politics and all are, and they came to Joe Lieberman and they said, Joe, they said, you're just like George Bush. You think like him, you're acting like him, everything you do, you're just like him. He said, oh, no, I'm not. He said, you can take your dog. It's sort of like taking a dog to a, to a veterinarian or a taxidermist. He said, you get your dog back from both of them, but it's not the same. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. From the depths of my heart, Christianity and comparative religions are nowhere near the same. Jesus is not a religion. He is a person. And He is the reality of God manifested in the flesh crucified on Friday, resurrected on Sunday, and alive forevermore. And He comes, and He invites us to come to Him. And He offers us the gift of eternal life. And that's what He's here for. And then He also, as He comes along beside of us, and I'll close with this. We all set goals. There were so many young people, as you know, in the early service. And I look at all those young people and teenagers, and now us that are here, still some young folks as I look out. Uh, you know, I used to think old was, what, 40? <laughs> and now I'm uh, old is, what, 150 or so? <laughs> but we all have goals. And we're all, as we go through life, and I hope one night to preach on this business of change. The way of Jesus is, of course, a way of change. Because life is change, isn't it? Every different stage has its aspect of opportunity and difficulties. And we set goals. It's easy to set goals. Don't have to do much to set goals. No effort involved much. But how do you propose to achieve your goals? How are you going to do it? How are you going to live in this world? This world that's more invisible in reality than anything else. Love and hate. Good and bad. Successes and failures. You know, life's just like that. Marriages are like that. The workplace is like that. The economy is like that. This is life. This is reality. How are we going to accomplish what God calls us to do? How are we going to live like God would call us to live? 
Well, the secret's in Him. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And boy, in the context of Psalms 27, he had a lot to be afraid of. Saul was on his heels to kill him. Later, just a few years later, David spent 20 years of his life running, trying to keep from Saul killing him and and keeping himself from killing Saul, which he would have been justified, I think, in defending himself. But he refused to do so because David wanted to live the way of the Lord. And then with his own son Absalom after him, and he said in Psalms 27, listen, a magnificent statement of this man. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Mark Twain once said, nothing is more annoying than a good example. I've thought about that a lot. thought about old Ben Franklin a lot. I love to read history and think about historical Characters and admire. Ben Franklin was a genius. Every time I get around an old wood stove, a Franklin stove, I think of Ben Franklin. Every time I put my bifocals on, I think about Ben Franklin. I think about electricity, I think about Ben Franklin. Think about, uh, uh, you know, so many different things that he was involved in. And I think, that rascal, he got all of it and I didn't get any. <laughs> Good examples can inspire you, but they can't enable you. Jesus came not to just give us a good example. He came to enable us to live the way God would have us to live. Isn't that a blessing? I learned a long time ago. Right, in fact, I went through three stages in my life, and I'll close. Saved when I was 11 years of age, and I thought, boy, this is the most wonderful thing that's ever, ever happened to me. I'm a Christian. And Jesus is my Savior. I was so happy. And I thought, man, Christian life is easy. It's wonderful and it's easy. <laughs> and then I grew up and became a teenager. And I began to experience things I'd never known before as a child. Struggles, passions, and desires, and the trauma you go through in changing from a child to a, an adult. I thought, man... It's not easy to be a Christian. It's hard to be a Christian. Then I got married, started having children, went into the, drafted into the army. I, I, I assumed, that, you know, the financial responsibilities, raising children responsibilities, being a husband responsibilities. I thought, Lord, life, Christian life's not, not easy. It's not difficult. It's impossible. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. I can only go so far, and so can you. So I'm asking this morning, our first revival meeting this morning, where do you stand in your relationship with God? What will we do, these services together? Go in and go out without being sad, mad, or glad? Some, some guy told me after the service this morning, he came by and said, you, you're talking to me the whole time. I said, well, that's good. <laughs> Had a little boy in my service one time. His name was Joseph. He was born on, e- on Christmas morning at our church. He was six years old. He was sitting in the audience, and I was preaching. You know, I get, so every once in a while, I can't keep my hands still. And he turned and looked at his mother, she told me, after the service, and said, Joseph said, Mama, the preacher's whooking at me. 
She said, no, he's not. Joseph, be quiet. And said he was quiet for about five minutes and looked back over and punched her again and said, Mama, he's looking at me again. <laughs> well, God's looking at us, isn't He? And God loves us beyond anything we could ever know. And Jesus came. He came, went from teaching to touching, and He's here this morning to touch every life on a daily basis, an individual basis, any time and every time. He comes and He stands before us, declaring Himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. Have you acknowledged that? Have you come in a way of repentance and said, Lord, I want to go in another direction. I've not turned my life over to you. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. But I want to trust you individually and personally. I'm going to trust you to come as my personal Lord and Savior so that I can know the reality of the forgiveness of my sin forever and forever. Would you do that this morning? Would you, be, would you have enough courage? Would you have enough commitment and trust? To trust an invisible God who's standing here this morning as real as, as I'm standing up here this morning. Would you have enough confidence? Would you have enough trust and faith to say yes to Him that said yes to the cross? Would you do that this morning? And those of us that are Christians in this revival service, will you make this a time of, a time of rededication and commitment? Would you come as I did when I was in my late 20s and said, Lord, I'm coming In Romans chapter 12, as you beseech me to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service. Would you do that? Have you dedicated and consecrated your life as best you know how? It's a continuous process. It's a continuous reality. It's a continuous thing that we do to God, isn't it? Oh, we're saved the moment that we trust Him. We're saved forever. But I'm telling you, the way, the way of the Lord Jesus is a continuous commitment a continuous recognition, a continuous saying yes to the Lord Jesus and allowing Him to take possession of our lives. We're going to sing an invitation this morning as we always do. And I wonder if you're here this morning. Jimmy's going to stand up front. And I, I invite you as best I know how today to my Savior and my Lord, my Lord Jesus. He's the way and He'll make a way for you and enable you to walk in that way. Would you come and trust Him as we stand together and sing?